All right, now let's get into this, you guys. God in the dark. We're talking about doubt today, you guys. We are talking about doubt over the next five weeks. Maurice and Aisha and Jim and I have spent some time kind of trying to craft this thing around doubt, around the questions that we have around our faith, around the fact that our faith struggles at times. And we might have a question that just snags us and we can't go any further because of that. that We've been talking about, we said over these next five weeks, we want to spend some time digging into doubt, digging into the origins of doubt, digging into all the, the, the different parts of it because a lot of us deal with it. Now, we know that some of you guys have been in church where maybe they haven't addressed doubt very well, or you have a friend that hasn't addressed doubt very well with you, um, where they might say, why would you? Why would you doubt? How could you doubt? How could you doubt such a good God? How could you doubt such a God with, that is so present in your life? How could you doubt a God that is, 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 has a great will for you in your life? How could, you, how could you have any questions around that good, good God that's so full of love? You might hear that, and all that does is make you go buried deeper inside of, of your doubt. You're just going, oh man, what do I do with this? Because I do doubt. You might hear, you might hear churches, or you might hear someone up in front saying, saying, yeah, if you doubt, you better fix that right now, because God doesn't like doubt. You might have heard that. But man, we're going we're gonna to look at it differently. We believe that, there is a, that God has each one of us on a journey. And in that journey of faith, whether you believe in Jesus or not, we're all on a journey of trying to figure that out, trying to figure out faith. And if you're stepping into faith, you're also stepping into doubt because faith is not 100%. If it was, there wouldn't be any need for faith. And because it's not, there will always be doubt that comes in with it. And so we want to talk about that. And we want to talk about it in a healthy way. We want to deconstruct doubt. And we want to figure out where is, where is this coming from? And what can we learn from it? And, and how do we walk in this? And is there some good parts to doubt? How could there be? There could be some good parts to doubt. There's some dangerous parts of doubt that we have to talk about and we have to walk through. But how do we walk together in this? It's super important for us all to recognize the fact that we are not alone in this, you guys. There was a study that came out that said 66% of, of people that call themselves Christians also carry doubt. Now, I, I doubt that statistic because I believe it's far more than 66%, but I think that the other 33% or 34% or whatever, I believe that they, they are just not, they don't want to say it. We don't want to, we want to say that we actually doubt. But I think all of us in one way or another do. And we want to walk through that over these next five weeks. So will you go on this journey with us? Go on a journey around this subject of doubt. We're not afraid of that, and God certainly is not afraid of our doubt. In fact, he's, he's wanting to go, let's talk about this, bring it on, let's talk through this, okay? So let's pray together, and we'll start digging into this. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the chance to, to, to spend some time speaking into a subject that's, that's weird to, 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 to talk to you about, our doubt around you. But we know we've got it, and you know we've got it. So speak to us and, 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 and help us as we journey through that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. 
So here's the first thing you guys are going to hear for the next five weeks that you all have to know. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, and doubt is not the opposite of belief. You've got to recognize that there is belief and there is disbelief. And then there's something in, the, in between. See, belief and disbelief are in one mind. I believe that this is true. And disbelief is I believe that this is not true. And in between that belief and disbelief is something that's in two minds. And that's where doubt, that's doubt. The Latin word for doubt is this word dubitare. And the root for that is in two minds, the state of being double-minded. That's super important for us to grab hold of because we will beat the crap out of ourselves for our doubt and we'll look at it and we'll say, why, why, what's wrong with me that I doubt prayer? In fact, I, I don't believe in prayer. And I look, and I'd look and say, are you sure you're saying you don't believe fully in prayer and you are in one mind or are you in two minds? Even if you're lean in one way or another, are you in two minds? And maybe you might believe in prayer to an extent. You might go, yes, okay, I get it that God could hear my voice, but I don't know if he's responding. I don't know if he's going to do anything about it. I don't know if that changes his mind. I, you know, we'll have all kinds of questions around that that can lead to doubt. We're in two minds. But are you, are, do you disbelieve it or do you doubt it? Because sometimes we'll call it disbelief, but maybe... Maybe we're not as far off as we think we are. Here's a, here's a different way to look at this. I want to I make sure that we grab hold of that because we need to understand that when it comes to these next four weeks, these next five weeks, okay? Here's a different way to look at it. Maurice, the guy that was just up here, Maurice Cox, he's our associate teaching pastor, great guy. Look, you guys, Maurice is, an, is a stud athlete. Maurice, is a, Maurice was an all-state linebacker in California, you guys, all-state linebacker in California. California is the real deal, and he is an all-state football player. In fact, the guy that was playing next to him is a at linebacker was Vontez Perfect. If you guys know the NFL, Vontez Perfect is the dirtiest player in the NFL. He's the guy that got kicked out of the league this year because of the hits that he's been given. Obviously, Maurice didn't do his job. I mean, Maurice was right there on the field with him, could have easily told him about Jesus, could have easily helped him to, to learn some things and be nicer on the field. Maurice didn't do his job. We're working on that with Maurice, okay? But, but he's a stud athlete, Maurice is. But here's the deal. Every once in a while, a really good athlete comes across a sport that they're not very good at. A couple weeks ago, Maurice took some young adults to top golf, okay? And Maurice was teaching them how to play golf. I want you to watch the evolution of a golf swing from what is trying to be a golf swing into just a hockey swing. Here you go, watch this. <laughs> So here's the question for you. Here's the question. Do you believe Maurice will be a good golfer someday? Do you believe he will? Some will say yes because Maurice can do no wrong. I'm so tired of you guys. Maurice can do wrong, all right? He's not perfect. Some say yes, I believe he's gonna, he can be a great golfer. Some say no. Do you see that swing? He can't be a good golfer. Some would be in between. I'd be in between because he's a good athlete and with a good coach and a lot of practice, he might be able to hit the ball a long ways. I lean towards disbelief, but that's not where I'm at. I'm still in two minds. 
I still, I could see that that could possibly happen someday. It would take a massive amount of work, but I could possibly see that happen. Okay, so I'm in two minds. Here's a different one to think about. I want you to see this picture. Now, 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 I know that most of you believe this is Jim serving communion, okay? I know that most of you believe that. You've seen that face. You've come up for communion once a month and you're gone, and he's there. You want some? You know? That's the way Jim does it. Some of you believe this is Jim. Some of you are in two minds and you're not quite sure this is Jim. Some of you know that this is a bartender in Harry Potter 3 and it's not Jim. I'm a disbeliever here. I believe it's a bartender. I don't believe he hung out with Radcliffe for a while and was doing that. I, but some of you are in two minds. You're going, I could be. That could be Jim. <laughs> see? See? We're in two minds. It looks just like him. <laughs> We're in two minds, okay? That's doubt. Now listen, we can take Jim off the screen. Uh, w- now, when you add relationship to doubt, when you add relationship to it, now all of a sudden there's a little bit more emotion that comes with it. There's a little bit more fear that comes with it. When you add relationship to doubt, if, if I'm starting to doubt Jackie as my wife and t- after 25 years of marriage and all that we have invested in and, and, and the love that we have for each other, and if I start to doubt Jackie, now there's fear that comes with that. Wait a minute, man, we have poured our hearts into this. And there's fear that comes with that. I mean, if I start to doubt her, there's, there's, uh, there's a, a disappointment that comes with it. There's a sadness that comes with it. There's an anger that comes with it. And it all comes around the word trust because now doubt in the middle of relationship, it, there's a, th- that trust word comes in and trustworthiness. And so now, now there, it, it ups the stakes. It's not about, it's not about Maurice or Jim or, or something that I might doubt. This ups the stakes now in relationship. Everything we've ever heard about God is he's a God of relationship. He's not just some foreign object in the sky that's zapping things around. Our God is a God of relationship. From the very beginning, he set this system up to be in relationship. He's saying, I want you to be in relationship with, he wants, God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants to be in relationship with each other. He wants to be in relationship with his creation. God wants us to be in relationship with ourselves. He wants us to be in relationship. Our God is a God of love that brought us his son that says, I want everything to be connected through that love. And when it's disconnected and you start going in your own ways and you're, and you're making stances that pull away from love for each other, then that's something that, that God, try, does to, God wants to pull us back together because our God is a God of relationship. If we start doubting that, if we start doubting parts of that, then, then there's an angst that comes within us. We start to get nervous about that. We're going, wait a minute, I'm pouring my life into this relationship. Some of you might even say, Jesus is my best friend. Well, how in the world can I doubt if this is, somebody, this is, a, this is a relationship between me and God? Well, I don't want to doubt, but I'm starting to. Well, I don't want to doubt, but I've got these questions that are left unanswered. I don't want to doubt, but, I, but this thing happened in my life. And now, where was God when that happened? And where was his goodness? And where was his presence? And where was his love? And you start to ask those questions. You start to doubt. And now, now we're entering into a world where, can I trust him? You're entering a world where you're saying, 
Can I follow him? Is it worth following him? And you start asking those questions and fear comes more to the surface because I'm in two minds here. A lot of us can relate to that feeling. A lot of us can. You guys, I can. See, for some people, faith comes super easy to them. They hear God. They see God. They open up scripture and it just jumps off the page. They're praising the Lord. They're coming in here and they're just going, this is so great and I love God in every way. And it comes very straightforward and easy for them. But there are many of us that it is not that way. And we wrestle and we battle our questions. And sometimes our questions, even if it might not even be a massive significant question to my life, is enough of a question that I question God then. And I question his trustworthiness. And I, 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 I'm in that, I've been in that place. I've wrestled through 30 years of my faith. I have wrestled with the questions that come with it. And I've learned a few things in there. And I've, I've, I've grown to actually kind of appreciate and, and have, have grown deeper as a result of it. But it's taken time and it's been, I've been on this journey. I want to tell you more about that journey, but just the journey we all are on when it comes to doubts and how do we draw closer to God in the midst of it. For me, one of the keys is Scripture. Now, it's weird to say that because for any of you that doubt, you know that there, in times of severe doubt, the last place you want to go to is the Bible because someone will quote a passage of Scripture to you and you'll go, that's the very thing that I doubt, is that, that book. And, and you're using that book to, to defend something or to answer something, and that's the part that I disagree with or that's the part that I have questions around. And so sometimes going to the Bible is some of the hardest things for many of us in the midst of doubt. But for me, the, when, when I'm in seasons of struggle, when it's coming to that, especially in, in, in early on in my, in my 20s and 30s, man, I was, I was digging through seasons of doubt. And I would, I would, what I would do is I would go back to the one part of Scripture that I haven't doubted. Because there's been one that I know I have not doubted, and that is the life of Jesus. I haven't doubted it because, because sometimes people talk about a leap of faith. Earl Palmer, our senior pastor in Seattle, when I, was, when I was going through our college years, said, man, it's not a leap of faith. We're gathering evidence. And it's a step of faith because we're gathering evidence. And for me, gathering evidence around the life of Jesus, man, there's so much written around it. There's, historians aren't going to argue the, the life of Jesus. And it makes sense that Jesus actually lived and died and even rose from the grave because the Roman Empire would have stopped that an instant if it wasn't true. The Roman Empire was so afraid of any power that would rival their power that if they believed that Jesus rose from the grave and, they, and, and, and it was just a big lie that people just tried to make up, man, they would have stopped in an instant. In fact, in Acts, it even says in there, let them say what they need to say because if it's false, it will fall away easily. But it hasn't fallen away. And so I have leaned into the Jesus narrative because I'm going, that part, man, that had to have happened. And so in the midst of doubt where some of the other parts are harder, I'll get to there. Now, in the midst of that Jesus narrative, the part that, just, that grabs hold of me more than any other part, more than any other story within Jesus' story, is, is what happens after he dies. Because when he dies and rises from the dead, when that moment happens, when he, when, when he is seen, 
that changed the world. That moment changed history. We're 2,000 years later and we're still talking about it. That was a moment, that was a change that, that, that everyone said, what in the world's going on here? Now, if you take that 2,000, we're 2,000 years later and we bring it all the way back to first century and we bring it all the way back to Jerusalem, can you imagine what it was like there? Can you imagine with the buzz in the air there? It wasn't just someone going to their neighbor saying, did you hear Jesus rose from the grave? It wasn't that. Man, it's like, holy smokes, that guy that we saw go to the cross, die on the cross, that said he was the son of God, has risen from the grave and people are seeing him? The people in Jerusalem were, were, some were scared, some were curious, some were ecstatic, and the disciples, man, that was about relationship. They got their friend back. And Jesus is who he said he is. And so now all of a sudden the disciples are going, oh my gosh, this is my, our best friend and look what's happened here. So they're fired up, except for one person. We call him Doubting Thomas now and that's not fair. He's just Thomas that was off on his own and he's going, why is it that everyone else gets to see this and I don't? Why is everyone getting so excited and I haven't seen a thing? Well, Thomas's journey speaks right to the heart of our journey when it comes to our doubt. Look what it says. We're going to walk through this a little bit. He says this. It says, but one of the 12, Thomas, called the twin. I'm a twin, so that's why I, I, I like Thomas the most. Was not with them when Jesus came. So, so Jesus comes back. Everyone sees him. Thomas wasn't with him. The other disciples kept on telling him, we have seen the Lord. They kept on telling him. I love that because John's writing this and he was one of the disciples that kept on telling him, Thomas, you should see this. We've seen it. He's alive again. Thomas, come on, grab hold of this. They kept on telling him. You guys, what is it like when you're sitting in church and everyone else is getting it but you? What is it like when you're sitting there and they're singing the songs and you're just going, I don't get it. How can they be joyful? What is it like when, when you're reading a passage of scripture and you're hearing the, the, the Christian yes, the mmm, 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 you know? What's it like when you, when you hear that all around you, mmm, and you're just sitting there going, I don't get it. I don't get it. And you're the only one Everyone else is fired up and you're the only one that's not. That lonely feeling, that's real. And that comes in the heart of our doubt. He says this, but he replied, unless I see in his own hands the mark of the nails and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, did Thomas say that with anger? I will never believe believe unless I see it. Did he say it with sadness? I'm never going to believe. They all, they all get to. I'm never going to believe. Did he say it with fear and with envy? Why me? What's wrong with me that my questions keep winning and I just can't see Jesus like everybody else can? For any of us that have gone through journeys of doubt, we know that it's all of those things. There's fear and there's anger and there's sadness and there's disappointment and there's envy. There's all of those things that come with it. And you don't know what to do about it. You don't know who to tell. 
See, for me in my life, you guys, and we're going to talk about origins, origins of our doubt. For me in my life, I think a part of the origin of my doubt comes from my Catholic background. I grew up Catholic, and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I would go to church every Sunday. My family go to church every Sunday. And for those of you guys that are Catholic, you know some of the things that we do when we come to church. One of them, the, 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 the reverence around God in the Catholic church is, is, is over the top. I mean, it's actually in a lot of ways really cool. There's a great reverence for God. When you came to church when we were kids, you'd walk down the aisle, and before you would even go into your pew, you know what you'd have to do? You'd have to genuflect. You'd have to go to a knee and genuflect before you even walked into your pew. And then if you were at all early for church, the first thing you would do is there was a kneeler in front of you and you'd pull that kneeler down and you'd, you'd get on your knees and you'd pray to God before the service starts. Man, you guys, there was a reverence around that that was really cool going, the Lord is here and I don't even deserve to stand in his presence or sit and chat with somebody. I am on my knees. But with that reverence also came a fear of God. And with a, with a fear of God, man, you never, you never asked the questions. You never said, God, I don't, I don't quite get why we, why we do what we do during Mass. I don't get this thing with prayer. I don't get why the, the priest is reading the Bible. I don't get all that stuff. You can't ask those questions. If you did, you'd have to go to confessional and confess to the priest that you're asking questions. And he would absolve you for asking questions. Now, that was just our situation in our church. I'm not saying that's the way it is in all Catholic churches. But in our church, that's the way it was. There was a fear of God that kept me from going. And then in college, I go to the University of Washington, and I make a commitment to Jesus, and I start living my life and just pouring my life into that relationship with Jesus. I, am, I went on a mission trip to Merida. I come back. I'm leading Bible studies in the Greek system and in the area around the University of Washington. And I go, on a, I go to Philadelphia and the projects in Philly, and you know, I'm, I'm living out my faith in those places, but doubt's creeping in too. So here I am pouring out my heart to Jesus and doubts creeping in around stuff that I'm reading for the first time in the Bible, stuff that I'm hearing from somebody, a church that's standing on something that doesn't seem like there's love in the midst of that. And I'm starting to question some of those things and I'm going, where can I go with these questions? And I just kept them to myself. And I can't ask those questions, man, that's, that's wrong to well, I wrote in my, in my journal while I was in Philadelphia, you guys listen to the fear of this 22-year-old kid writing this stuff. Tonight, I really feel the need to write in my journal, my heart's in turmoil. I wonder if I'm a Christian. Have I fully accepted Jesus in my heart? Have I grown or have I stayed right where I was at two years ago? I am a hypocrite. Am I doing the deeds without feeling it in my heart? Where does my mind wander off to? Why can't I pray? Why am I in a position of leadership and I feel so need to be led? Why do I have so many questions about my faith? Why can't I wake up and realize how awesome Jesus is? Why do I not want to pray? There it is again. Why don't I find excitement at church? Because I haven't found a scent yet. What do I do? Do I ask for Jesus' help or is he mad that I haven't made a full commitment? Should I find truth in the Bible? Why do I read the Bible in doubt? Why do I feel so inferior? What do I do? Dear Lord, help me please. That was a scared 22-year-old kid in the projects in Philly that's trying to figure all this stuff out and can't and has nowhere to turn. I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. And was I alone in this? Or was anybody else also feeling some of those feelings and had questions that I had? 
Well, let's go back to this story because there's some pretty powerful things that come from it. Listen, look at this very next line. This is really cool. Throw that next line up there. Yeah, please. Just over a week later, just over a week later, I stop right there because you guys think about that. Thomas is in anguish over, his, over his, his faith and his doubt and all the people around him that believed it. And, and, and Jesus let him sit in that for a week. Now, some of you say, I've been sitting in my doubt for three years. That's no big deal for a week. But you guys, in the intensity of that week, probably the most powerful week in the history of the world, in that week, in the intensity of that week, Thomas is sitting every single day, every hour, every minute, going, why, why, why don't I get this? I don't understand this. And for a week, Thomas had to live in, awe, in that anguish over his doubt. And Jesus let him live in that. He didn't rescue him from it. And that was the beginning for me of going, wait, he's not rescuing me from my doubt. But I think Jesus had something else in store and take a look at what happens. So, so now the disciples were indoors again. It's a week later and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood in the middle. So, so the, the disciples are all hanging out in the room. Thomas is sitting there just picking at a, at a table and, and the disciples are all talking about how great Jesus is and he's coming back and, and, and Jesus comes walking into the room. Now, I believe maybe it's the narcissism in me that thinks it's all about me, but I believe that Jesus was walking right past everyone else. He could care less about the rest of them. He does. He cares about everybody. But he walks into the room, and he, he's already seen them. I've seen you. I've seen you. I know you. That one right there. That one. That's my friend. And he's in anguish over all this. And Jesus is walking to him, and you can picture Thomas just raising his, raising his head up and and Jesus is there. And Thomas has been on a journey over this last week. And Jesus comes walking up to Thomas. And I love what he says, you guys, because he could have easily said, Thomas, what in the world? Why you got a doubt? Do you see all the rest of these people and how much they get it? Why you got a doubt? Why are you being stupid? Man, he doesn't say any of that stuff. Look at how much he understands you and me. This is what he said. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. He knows our anguish. He knows our doubt. He knows our fear. He knows all the, the ways that we're questioning our faith. And instead of, he's not railing on us. He's not judging us. And he, you know what? He's also not answering all the questions. He just looks at you and says, peace be with you. I am here. Look what he says. He says, he says, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Take my hand and put them in your side. You must not, not doubt but believe. He's going, do you, need, I, you might need more evidence than just seeing me. You might need to actually do this. But here's the deal, you guys, and this is what really gets me when it comes to doubt. Thomas went on a journey he went on a journey of doubt and he was, he was at the depth of his doubt. And I've heard someone say that sometimes you can see the measure of your faith by, by how much you address your doubt. And, and Thomas was in the depth of, of that doubt. And Jesus comes into the room and in, in that moment it turns, it turns to truth. 
And when it turned to truth and all of a sudden this lack of trust becomes full trust, the depth of that transition for, for Thomas, that depth of him to get to that point, that's different than anyone, not better or worse, just different than all the rest of these people. In his journey of doubt, he gets to say in that moment, he says, my Lord and my God. He doesn't, they don't say he put his hand in his, in his side and put his hand in his hands. He didn't check it out. He turned right there and there was a depth to that. That Jesus took this, this doubter and he's going, yes, I know you would doubt, but I'm walking with you. And I believe God is saying there's some of us that it's, we're going to be wrestling really hard, but, but there's going to be a depth that's coming with our doubt. There's going to be a depth of us coming closer to Jesus as a result. And what I've learned from this, what I've learned from this story is I've learned a few things. One, I've learned that I'm not alone. There's other people that also felt that doubt or feel that doubt through one reason or another. And I've started, to, I started reading books and Philip Yancey's Reaching for the Invisible God and God in the Dark, the one that we're basing this series on by Oz Guinness. You read C.S. Lewis. For any of you guys that are old C.S. Lewis fans, man, that guy doubted like crazy. And I love what he said. He said, he said, after his wife, he said, he said, now I know why you give no answer. You yourself are the answer. So I'm learning that even in the midst of questions that you might not ever get an answer to, that's okay. You yourself are the answer. I started looking at this, the, the Bible and just going, this isn't a propaganda book. This isn't a propaganda book just to, just to talk about how, how, how good God is. Because if it was just a propaganda book, it would have left out Adam and Sarah and Jacob and Job and Jeremiah and Jonah and Thomas and Martha and Peter and books like Job and Ecclesiastes and Psalms and Lamentations. It would have left out ambiguity. It would have left out Paul saying, I see as a glass fogged over. It would have left out that we never know God's ways passages. It, could, it would have left out droughts when miracles didn't happen, when urgent prayers dropped back to earth unanswered, when God seemed not just invisible but wholly absent. It would have left out the mystery. And if it would have left out all those people, it would have left out people that forged their faith under the fire and had a depth of faith as they came to truth in the midst of their doubt. I learned, I learned that doubt doesn't start with the fall when Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden because they turn from God. It, it begins with God creating us as inquisitive people that are in relationship and that we will ask questions and we'll dig into this. And, we, and it's that important to us. It's so important that we want to ask questions with it and we might not get answers, but we're going to ask questions. I learned that Jesus is walking with us in this. I learned that Jesus is not afraid of doubt and he actually invites us with our doubt. When Jesus is, when, when he was done with Thomas, when he was done in that room and he's, he's appeared to everybody and then he eventually leaves with his, his final words to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded and I'll be with you always to the ends of the age. He says all of that and he says, you know who was in the room when he said that or in the place when he was saying those things? He said, some believed and some doubted. And Jesus never, never sorted them out and said, you guys that believe, go do my work. And you guys that doubt, stay here and fix yourself. He just said, no, we're going to go in this together. And you guys that are doubting, I know. And there will be a point that you might turn. And boy, the depth of your faith when you do. And in the meantime, I want you to hold on to something. 
I want you to hold on to a little bit of faith. You know, he, he, he took out, I'm going to cheat here because he took out some mustard seeds and I have sesame seeds and sesame seeds are a lot bigger because so, I wanted you guys to see it. So he pulled out a sesame, a, a mustard seed. You see it? I'll, I'll put it in the, the screen that you can see. Can you put that one up there, Scott? Is that possible? See? See it? See it? That's for us to doubt. Faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. But what about my doubt? Small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Can move mountains. Even in the midst of all of your questions, it can move mountains. And he doesn't want us to stay in it. We've learned that too. The, the brother of Jesus, James, he writes about that. And he says, man, I don't want you to stay in your doubt. Because if you're endlessly doubting, you're like riding the waves and you're going back and forth. And that's dangerous if you're staying in your doubt. Because God wants us to know he's trustworthy. He wants us to know you can trust me. And so, so God is, is, is wanting us to wrestle in your doubts. Don't just stay in your doubts and say, yeah, I'm a doubter. I've always doubted that. I always will. He wants us to wrestle with it. If you doubt, with pray, doubt prayer, wrestle with it. If you're doubting this book, go talk to somebody and let's, let's, let's study it for a little bit. If you're doubting the goodness of God because of the things that you've had, let's unpack that. We're going to walk through all of those things. That's part of what we're, we're doing together over these next four or five weeks. That's when Aisha comes up to speak, she's going to share her own struggle or st story within doubt. And she's going to talk about some origin around that. And Maurice and Jim will too. I will again. And we're going to keep walking through that. That's the journey that we're going to be on because we don't want to stay in our doubt. We don't walk together in it. But in the midst of it, while we're on that journey together, while you're struggling in the midst of it yourself, while you, you ask the questions and you don't get the answers, hear those words of Jesus when he walked up to Thomas. Peace be with you. I'm here and we're okay. Now let's journey on this thing together. Father, I pray that in the midst of, of, of the, the stuff that we're dealing with at doubt, in the midst of the questions that we have and the hard questions that, that, that tend to pull us away from you, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice that says that doubt doesn't scare me. I don't judge you. Peace, peace be with you. And that we would work on that together. I pray, Lord, for the person in this room right now that doesn't believe this prayer and is, is trying to figure that out. I pray for the person in this room that doesn't believe you are good. I pray for the person in this room that sees the mess around us in this world and just wonders, can there be a God that, that would even allow all this? I pray for this person in this room that feels like they don't belong here. That they feel like people have pushed them aside and have pushed them further to a margin.
and they conclude that, that it's you, it's you that's pushing them away. I pray, Lord, for the person in here that just can't wrap their heads around your presence. Lord, we have doubts. And in the midst of those doubts, we pray that you would journey with us, walk with us, and help us, that we wouldn't be waves, we wouldn't be riding the tops of the waves where we just get thrown back and forth, but instead we walk together, journey together, and that we would find peace as we find truth. And ultimately, I do want to pray in the end that we would conclude, my Lord and my God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.